back to Taylor Lovers. Welcome to Taylor Lovers. <laughs> I'm Jenna. I'm Carly. And uh, we're here to talk about two more songs off of the debut album. <laughs> what else is new? We're here to talk about Taylor Swift. And speaking of artists, mm-hmm. let's talk about your um, <gasps> your own artistic endeavors that you've got going on. I'd love to. <laughs> yes, the life update section of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to share with the with the crew, mm-hmm. with the listeners, um, that I'm directing a main stage show right now at a community theater here in Pittsburgh called Little Lake Theater. A fabulous place. They are community. It's a non-equity theater, but they do very, very polished professional level shows. Um, and this is my first time directing a main stage show all by myself. Yeah. So it's very exciting. Um, lots of hats to wear. Lots of work to do. Basically. I work nine to five every day. I drive to the theater. I find dinner somehow or somewhere. And then I'm there from about six to 10 and I get home at like 10, 30, 11. So life's great if a little <laughs> bit sleep deprived right now. Yeah. But the one thing that I will say, in addition to just saying it's a great experience, I love directing. Um, oh, I guess there's two things. One of them is related to Taylor. One of them is not. That's okay. The one, <laughs> the one that's related to Taylor is I found that something that really anchors me and makes me feel strong as a director is whenever I'm directing, I always like to bring with me either like an overshirt or a sweater or a hoodie because when Taylor played a director in the music video for The Man, which she also legitimately directed, I don't mean to just say that she played a director, she was a director. She had like a cute little flannel tied around her waist. And there was something very directory about that. I can't mm-hmm. really explain it, but it just goes with the little director chair and the whole aesthetic. So every time I go to direct my show, I bring a hoodie and at appropriate times, I tie it around my waist <laughs> because it makes me feel powerful. And I think she would love that. <laughs> Thank I think you. she'd be honored. <laughs> Thank you so much. Also, am I correct in thinking that this theater, Little Lake Theater, is where you and Bill met, your husband? <gasps> this is true, yes. Yeah, meaningful place. A very meaningful place, yes. We met during a production of Arcadia and then we we, we got our flirt on during a production of Macbeth, <laughs> which, is, which is just great. I know, it bodes so well for the relationship. <laughs> Our relationship is very non-violent and loving. I feel like I should put that out there. I don't want people to get the wrong idea that because we fell in love during Macbeth that we're psychotic. We're not. We're very normal. Um, <laughs> the last thing I'll say about my life update before I let you do, give your life update is uh, one thing that is not my favorite part of directing, but kind of an interesting part of directing is that I am always the first person, well, not always the first person, but I'm usually the first person to open the theater when I get there. And I'm always the last person to close up the theater when I leave. Brave soul. I know, right? Little Lake Theater, for those who don't know, is right near Cannonsburg Lake in a very heavily wooded area. Uh, Not a lot of civilization around it. And it gets very dark out there and very quiet. And there are a lot of woodland creatures that like to burrow around and scratch and (laughs) scritch outside the walls of the theater. And essentially, I have to shut down every gosh darn light, lock every gosh darn door, and leave the building with just a pitch black tunnel abyss behind me (laughs) that I'm like straight up ready for some kind of demon to bolt out of and just be like, (laughs) Um, it's very scary. And anyway, I share this because we are both obsessed with an awesome podcast called Two Girls, One Ghost. Love them. I know, right? They're amazing. And when I first started this experience of being like, oh man, I have to lock up a 73 year old building 
yeah. by myself every night. And like, if I see a ghost in this process, that's I'm finally going to have my story that I can submit to two girls, one ghost. Yes. <laughs> so I'm like kind of hoping I see one. Kind of not, but yeah. then also kind of hoping for it. I don't know. Maybe like the last night. Yes. Before the show opens. Yes. It'll like, it'll wish you... Not good oh. luck, but it'll, it'll say break a leg. Break a leg. And then mm-hmm. you'll have a great story, and you won't have to be alone in that space for very much longer. That's true. And then I'll be done, and I can just live with that experience. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, what... It, I thought it was interesting when you were describing the land surrounding the oh, theater yeah. mm-hmm. that you didn't mention how kind of creepy it is inside the theater. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Carly yeah. sent me some videos the other day of her doing this process of, of turning everything on and then when she was done, turning everything off. And um, <laughs> you are brave as heck, girl. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. Especially because, the, so the theater is theater in the round. Um, so you're surrounded by audience in like an auditorium seating on all sides. Or like um, bleacher yeah. kind of. Bleachers yeah. kind of. Like there's lower seats in front and they get higher in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you have to walk out onto that stage and you're just surrounded by darkness on all four sides of you. It's not like, oh, well, I'm on stage and I know the back behind me is just a backstage with lights on or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, there's just four sides of darkness and a freaking ghost light above the stage that shines down in a weird like alien abduction beam. <laughs> it's very creepy, but that's my life right now. Very hey, fun. I, I hope I hope you see a ghost, but I hope it's one that is not scary and that it comes towards the end of the process. Thank you. So, so you don't much. have to be too scared. Thank you so much. But keep, I, keep that energy up. I would love for you to have a spooky tale to, to share with know, Corinne right? and Sabrina on Two Girls, One Ghost. So tell me about your life. What's going on in, in the, <sighs> the world of Jenna right now? <laughs> um, well, I don't, I'm not going to get into like a ton of specifics. This is kind of a long story. But about a month ago, I was visiting a family member. She, This family member said something very hurtful to me. It pretty pretty cruel, pretty casually cruel, I actually would say. I would agree. Um, because it was in the form of a pep talk, but it was attacking my character. And this is somebody who my entire life has tried to get me to lose weight, even if I didn't need to lose weight, and um, has said really harsh things about my image my entire life. Mm-hmm. But I've always been really close with And so I, like many people, gained weight during the pandemic, and I was nervous about going down to visit this family member, but I thought I hadn't seen them in a while, like a couple of years, and we used to be close, and I need a vacation, thought it would be bearable to to hear the conversation about joining Weight Watchers for the 28th year in my life. I was going to say, not new necessarily, so, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And uh, actually, Carly was with me when I visited this family member a couple years ago, and she heard this family member tell me repeatedly to join Weight Watchers. It was super weird. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw saw the calorie tracking app. Mm -hmm. I got the whole inside scoop. Yeah. And it was not comfortable. No. (laughs) But to hear this person not just say, you need to lose weight, but to the, the specific phrase that she used is um i i want the old jenna back i know the old jenna is in there and i don't like this new jenna i want the old jenna back um and 
this is a, a very brief summary of what was said to me. There was a lot more to it. It was a lot more hurtful than that. Um, but that was, it was the first time that she, that this person ever not only was telling me that she doesn't like the way I look, mm-hmm. but attacking my character, who I yeah. am as a person, and sent me into like an existential crisis of like, does everybody think this about me? And like, they're just too nice to say it. And like, does everybody in my life hate me because I gained weight? And like, how much have I really changed in the past couple of years? And I've been able to unpack all that. I'm. She was completely in the wrong. It yes. was a completely inappropriate thing to say to me. Way, way meaner than anything anybody else has ever said to me in my life. And uh, I'm just having a hard time processing that. And then since then, that was about a month ago, this past week, there were two other incidents that happened with her that were very passive aggressive towards me. And um, it just kind of felt like she just keeps taking swings at me. And it's like, leave me alone. I'm, I'm still trying to heal from the last horrible thing that you said to me. Like, could you quit attacking me? Because, like, this is really taking a toll on my mental health. And um, here we are bringing it back to Taylor. Um, <laughs> Always. We do and, a great job of that. Yeah. Um, I thought, man, one comment from a family member just, like, has wrecked my my mental health for the last month. It's given me, like, a, have had a really hard time getting over that. She has had so many people, some of whom were close to her, some of whom she respected in the industry, mm-hmm. a lot of whom were media, um, and then a lot of them perfect strangers, Yeah, say so many horrible things to her for her entire career, not her entire life, but her entire career, which is a big chunk of her life. Yes. And I don't know how she possibly could get through all of that and just keep bouncing back and just keep making music. And I, I think one of the reasons why Taylor Swift and her music mean so much to me is because it's it's more than just music. It's her as a person and she's pouring all of her experiences into these songs, these amazing songs. And um, so to, to see that Taylor, my new role model, yes. who I respect far more than I respect this family member now, <laughs> um, to hear her basically validate that like no this person this family member of mine who really hurt me was wrong and that's not how you should behave in your life that's not how you should be valuing things Mm -hmm. so anyway long-winded pretty vague um but basically who knew that i could have more appreciation for taylor than i already did (laughs) but i do because i think she's just incredible and so inspiring and i i hope that one day i can handle hurt half as well as she does so anyway <laughs> well that's a lot of heavy shit yeah it is yeah um i'm just gonna go on record here literally because it's recording and say <laughs> you're doing amazing thank you uh, fuck anybody who makes you feel like you're less than perfect exactly the way you are thank you you're welcome and also like good on you for picking taylor as a role model thank you because this is all incredibly parallel to what you're going through and really applicable. I mean, I was, because we were talking about this before we started recording, and I could not agree more that, like, when it comes to looking at an obstacle and feeling like it's completely insurmountable and then convincing yourself that you can surmount it, Taylor is the perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. The perfect example of that. Yeah. Because she had the whole world hating her yeah. for a long time, 
And we talked about that a lot in the first episode that we recorded. Yes. Um, and if one regular human being without superpowers can get over all that, mm-hmm. you can get over the shitty shit that shitty people say to you. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say about that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you very much. <sighs> now and my I... heart is pounding like I want to go fight somebody right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you and me both, girl. Anyway... Are we ready to get into the episode? Yes, we're ready to get into the episode. And a great way to start this episode, an Angry Taylor song. Yes. Love an Angry Taylor song. Yes. Should have said no, track nine mm-hmm. on Taylor Swift's self-titled album. Um, it was written by Taylor Swift. It was produced by Nathan Chapman. The hidden message in this is... and. You know, I'm, I'm realizing now that we just talked about how Taylor is able to uh, to grow and to make beautiful things out of out of hurt. The hidden message on this is Sam, 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 Sam. <laughs> so, um... Did she just unapologetically make the hidden message, like, the dude's name six times? Yes. That's iconic. Hilarious! <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, she's so funny. That it's she, so funny. She's just like... Oh, people who are listening to this is going to wonder, who did this to me? I'll tell you. Hey. Sam, 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 Sam. <laughs> it's right in the album cover. <laughs> Take a look. You can, yeah, I'll tell you. Iconic. Love her. Um, <laughs> it was the fifth and final single on the album. It was her second number one single on the Billboard Hot Country and peaked at number 33 on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, the single is certified platinum. She wrote this when she was 16 after her boyfriend cheated on her. And she says that the first line that came to her mind was the title. Should have said no. Yeah. She wrote the chorus in five minutes because that's what you do when you're Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you do when you're Mozart or Taylor Swift. Um, That was a joke for classical music fans who are going to get all up on my shit, okay? I know Mozart is a different thing, okay? It's a joke. The Mozart of our time. The Mozart of our time. There we go. Uh, (laughs) I had to jump on that before they all attacked me. uh, Many lyrics were based on actual words that she used when confronting her boyfriend, Sam, apparently. Mm. Um, And she, in an interview, compared this song to Picture to Burn. She said, Picture to Burn has an angry and I'm done with him attitude, while Should Have Said No is more of a moral statement. It's an I love you, we were awesome and great together, but you messed this up and I would still be with you kind of thing. You said yes and you should have said no. Mm-hmm. I love that she had this level of self-respect at 16. Oh, yeah. Do you know how many grown-ass women ha- or get cheated on and then keep going back to that guy? And you know what? I'm not going to victim blame anybody here that's not... Everybody's situation is different. Of course. But she's 16, and she's able to just put her foot down and say, it was as simple as you should have said no. Yeah. Like, you, we were great. It's in the past. I'm not going to let you treat me like that. And, God, nothing but appreciation for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love this little tidbit. Um, this song was a last-minute addition to the album. Oh, I don't think I knew that. She wrote it two days before mastering was scheduled, and the books were about to be printed. So... The very last minute, this happens to her. She writes it in no time flat, and she she called her producer, and they completed the song overnight. Wow! And it ends up being like one of her biggest songs. Like, it's a really good, and it's a strong song too. It doesn't it sound like it was written and produced in that short a time. Yeah, it's one of the songs that still made the Reputation tour in 2018. 
even though it was on her first album. Mm-hmm. I don't think any other song from her first album made the the regular um, playlist for the Reputation oh, tour. Oh, so it wasn't even like, oh, tonight I'm playing a special throwback. It was part of the set list. Yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah then it must have been a really big one and a significant one for her. Yeah. So, and, and I think this is so fascinating about Taylor. We'll talk about it as we continue to go through her work, but it's pretty common that she writes a song very quickly she insists on putting it on the album and for one reason or another she gets pushed back but she insists and it gets on and then it ends up being one of the biggest songs in the album <laughs> i don't know how she does it but it's amazing and uh the respect i have for this she's, woman she's good instincts it's like she, she knows really well what people want or mm-hmm. what, what maybe specifically what her fans want she does mm-hmm. she has an amazing instinct mm-hmm. with her fans and yeah. what they want um and again, we talked about this in the in the first episode about this, but um, the fact that she was 16 and there were adults in the room telling her no, and she said, I trust my gut, we need to do this, and it ended up being an amazing career move for her. Ugh. She's so great! Ugh. I just like want to scream. I, I have so much respect for her. Like 80% of this podcast is just us <laughs> trying to talk and trying to regurgitate, regurgitate factual information and then share our opinions. But every now and again, it's this slow crescendo into like, we just love her so much! She's so cool! <laughs> And I have no shame about that. No. I think that that should be clearly marketed, like, when, yeah. if and when this podcast <laughs> becomes popular, or if it gets any following at all. I want people to know, if you're gonna listen to it, don't come at us Mm-mm. and say things like, you should stop just fawning over her and talk more factually or make it more, you know, about her. Like, I'm like, no, 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 we're here to fawn. Yeah. That's the purpose of the podcast. And yeah. if you're not down, there's probably not a seat for you in here. It's called Taylor Lovers. Exactly. <laughs> not Taylor Biographers. Right. <laughs> we're, so. we're, we're big fans here. Yeah, this is why we're here. It's the yes. whole point. Anyway, continue. Um, this song won Publisher of the Year and award-winning songs at BMI Country Awards the music video is actually just a recording of her performance at the 2008 Academy of Country Music Awards. So when we talk about notable live performances, one might say that's the most notable of them. Um, did you watch the performance? You know what? It's funny. I prepared these songs, I think it was two weeks ago now, mm-hmm. and I can't remember if I watched it. So I'm going to open the link. I'm going to keep my computer on mute because okay. I think I'll remember if I see it. It starts out with her in a black hoodie with the hood up. I did watch this performance, and honestly, I thought it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Really? <laughs> I did. Well, and I'll tell you why. Again, not ever that I'm going to be like, oh my God, like, whatever. Like, people make choices. Things are hot at certain times, and then five years down the road, they're not hot anymore, and they're, mm-hmm. they're silly or whatever. It was it was a clearly like an attempt to be edgy, and yeah. I can appreciate that. I think that it was a very uh, poorly choreographed and curated <laughs> attempt to be edgy because it just looked like a little girl playing dress up and being silly. So okay. there's, but it had some charm. It definitely was charming because mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, you sweet sweet child. Like, <laughs> no no no, go put your glittery dress back on. And I know they rip off the thing, and there's a glittery dress. Yeah, that was also pretty hokey. 
But you know what? Again, respect for the nostalgia of early Taylor. Yeah. Oh, I say this. I say this with nothing but fondness for her and her early <laughs> aesthetic in my heart. But I thought it was so corny. <laughs> it it totally is. Yeah. But she at the time that was like that was peak Taylor. Was like, <laughs> she she was a sucker for a costume change. That's especially true. Mm-hmm. if it went from if if it was ripped off from either side of her by her dancers. If it went from being like a an unsexy outfit to a sparkly dress, she and and she gets to flip her hair around when it comes out of the hood. That was like clearly she really enjoyed doing that because yes. mm-hmm. she she did it in more than one performance, um, not just with this song. Um, and then I I will say I kind of love how over the top it is when. There's just a sheet of rain coming down, and the word no is being projected into it. And she goes over there, and she stands under it, and she gets soaking wet. And it's like, I think she was, like, going for the, like, I, running out to your doorstep in the pouring rain and singing this mean song Oh, you. totally. But it, like, doesn't quite work <laughs> when it's a live performance, and that's how you do it. Like, and especially for a music video, she could have like shot a music video for this, right? And could have had that scene actually yeah. staged and properly set. Yeah, yeah, it was it was an attempt at a at, at um, a little bit of suspension of disbelief kind of thing. We were trying to do theater. Taylor was trying to do theater, and it it just didn't. She didn't really stick the landing. Maybe we could yeah. say. And I I love how dramatic it is. Yeah. Um, I. In the Journey to Fearless video that's on YouTube, um, that it was originally, I think it was like a DVD or something. Yeah. Um, they show her and her mom talking backstage after she performs that song, and she's like toweling down her hair. And her mom goes, When you stood under the rain, everybody was like, Oh no, she didn't. <laughs> So Taylor's fans were eating this shit up at the time, too. <laughs> and her mom was, you know what? That's a supportive mom. She's so supportive. We, and we appreciate that. And we we, we stand. Love, love Andrea We love Swift. Andrea. Um, so funny. She also performed this with the Jonas Brothers on their Burning Up tour, which... Was that prior to the drama of her and Joe? Indeed. Okay, all right. It's kind of ironic that that ends up being the song that she performs with them. Because yeah, that's funny pretty sure old Joe cheated on her. Oh, really? <laughs> I know. See, I'm actually pretty out of touch with early Taylor relationships. I'm a mm. little bit more in tune with relationships that happened like 1989 onward. Yeah. Um, like Hiddleston and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. A little bit about Calvin, but not a ton. Um, that's funny. That's it is. That's very funny. It's very ironic. And uh, you think, geez, Joe, you dummy. She sang it to you right to your face and then... I don't know how much longer it was, like a year or two later. Maybe He's... that's how he got the idea. He's <laughs> <laughs> <was> like, oh, <laughs> interesting. <Yeah. laughs> um, and, and for the record, if there are any Joe stands out there, Joe Jonas stands. Um, oh, I like his music. I, I he probably a, grew up too. You he, know, he did. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem with him. But and what I, what I meant to say is that um, I don't know for sure that he like cheated on her, as in like like had a physical um interaction with somebody else or if it was just that he left her for somebody else oh okay um i think in taylor's mind it's one and the same (laughs) but um at least at the time the way that she wrote songs about him afterwards kind of seems like she Mm. felt that way Mm. um anywho 
She also obviously performed this on the Fearless 2009 tour. We just talked about that. And then in the Reputation tour, this was a medley with Bad Blood. So that's cool. Yeah. I love that, especially because Bad Blood was uh, Bad Blood's a song that could be interpreted a lot of ways. Like mm-hmm. it can be about a friendship. I remember there was uh, that people had speculated it was about her and Katy Perry because they had a big fight or something. Yes. Um but it could when when you listen to it it can also be about a relationship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. so th- tying these two together kind of like changes the story of Bad Blood a little bit in like a fun way. Yeah. It, it makes you think about it more like it's about a breakup, which is yeah. just it's just like a little fun touch. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I will say just because it, it literally just came up today when I was driving home from work that um, I listened I I haven't listened to Bad Blood since before this interaction with my family member happened um, holy shit every single word I was like this is hitting home like wow except the, the only part that didn't feel applicable to me was you say sorry just for show because this person has not said sorry to me. Yeah. Um, but every other part of it was like, you made a really deep cut, and now we've got bad blood. And I was like, never thought I was going to relate to this song in this way. But um, yeah. anywho, that's that's neither here nor there. So, <laughs> Carly, we know what you think about the music video. Yeah. What do you think about the song itself? Well, my first bullet is the intro is so country, I'm going to throw myself out a window. <laughs> I just said, ha, 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 her accent. Well, and I will say, it's actually really entertaining for me to listen to this early stuff because when she, um, when she sings, especially when she sings live, Mm -hmm. in the recording too, obviously, because that's what I was responding to whenever I took these notes. um, But there are some words that are, that, she says completely differently mm-hmm. back then versus the way she does now. Yeah. And I know she was super young and, and regionally your dialect can totally change based on where you live. And in fact, I'm sure that if she still has a lot of that like Tennessee, like that natural Tennessee twang mm-hmm. in her in her blood, she probably falls back into it when she goes back to Tennessee. I yeah. bet. Like if you're surrounded by people who talk like you, yeah. you start to then kind of like people around here from West Virginia mm-hmm. talk like they're from Pittsburgh when they're here. But then if they're around someone from West Virginia, they immediately go back to West Virginia accent. Yeah. So I just thought that was funny. Cause I was like, Oh my God, you sound completely different now. I also would not completely. Um, I, I, I would believe that it might've been a note from the record label. Oh, this maybe. is a country album up the twang, up the twang a little bit. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I, I had said my second bullet and I mean this in a very positive way is this is basically the teen version of, of before he cheats. Yeah. And I love before he cheats. Same. And, and, Again, I'm super, well, I'm not super inconsistent. There are a few country songs where I don't care how country they are. Mm-hmm. I just really like them. Mm-hmm. And Before He Cheats is one of those. Yeah. So that's high praise. I do think it's a really, really strong song. Um, I think the refrain, now that I know that she wrote it in, what, five minutes or 30 minutes? She wrote the chorus in five minutes. Oh and then gosh. I think the song was written like in a really short amount of time. Now, okay. So knowing that she wrote the chorus in five minutes, I'm like, much more impressed. I was impressed initially. I said the refrain is super lyrically solid. It is not one that I listen to and think, oh, that's early Taylor. She was still growing. I hear this and I think that's just a quality song. Yeah. Um, and 
I said, I honestly can, I can get down with this harder than picture to burn purely because I like where vocally she's, she is in this song. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, this sounds more her home. It sounds like a, like a, a key or, um, or an octave that is super comfortable to her. Yeah. And it just, in, in this, it just makes every lyric like punch a little bit harder. Yes. And I can compare it to the re-release of Fearless, where there are songs that I used to really not like or care about that much. And now that her voice is more developed and those octaves or keys where she's singing sound, they sound better suited to what her voice is now compared to what it used to be. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. I I love this. It sounds good to me. Like my ears are just happy with it. (laughs) And this is another great example of that. I thought she sounded really sharp. I uh, love the energy, love the anger. I said the whole refrain is my favorite lyric. Yes. Because it's just so powerful. It is. And uh, again, I'm just completely gushing. But I'll just close by saying um, that I really, really like how specific she is in her storytelling and how she finds different angles and different lenses to tell the same stories that lots of people have told for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So there's been a million people who've written songs about people cheating. Yeah. And sure, like, I mean, a lot of them are really good. Um, A lot of them are lyrically solid, melodically, you know, really catchy. But there's something very different about her walking up to the guy and saying like you should have declined the request <laughs> when it was made to you yeah um it reminds me almost of uh in the same way like jolene by dolly parton is very different than a lot of infidelity kind of songs right it's yeah. like you've heard a lot of songs about maybe a girl being jealous of another girl or maybe a woman um like you know realizing that someone that her husband is cheating on her or her spouse is cheating on her or whatever. It's like, how many times have we heard a song where a woman is going up to another woman and saying, Hey, I know that you like my guy and I know he kind of maybe likes you too. So I just need you to back off that. That's completely different. It's like yeah, a different totally. lens. And this is in a, in a lesser way. Cause Dolly is, she is a legend, as Absolutely. is as is Taylor. But this is sixteen year old Taylor, so I'm not saying it's quite at that caliber of creativity. But I think it's really close mm-hmm. and way creative for a sixteen year old. Yeah, I give this song a seven out of ten. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I is this the first time that you've ever heard this song? Had you heard it yes, before? Yes, this is the first time I've heard it. Oh, mm-hmm. fun. A, a little mm-hmm. treat. Yes, absolutely. I oh my god, I was down like probably from within like. Mm, five words yeah I'm thinking oh this is gonna be a good one yeah mm-hmm. oh that's great I'm mm-hmm. glad you I'm glad you got to finally experience this yeah. one a Taylor classic yes um I love angry Taylor <laughs> I love angry Taylor because she goes so hard she does and um she says the kind of things that I wish I could say when I'm angry and I just nothing but just pure admiration for this woman um, I thought that this song, and I know we've we've said this a lot on, about a lot of songs on this album, but this song felt like it was about a more mature relationship than that of two 16-year-olds. Yes, it does. It, very much. It gives you this feeling of betrayal that you would feel if you had years and years and years of a relationship 
Um, which I think is probably in part because she, and I relate to this strongly, mm-hmm. feels everything really intensely. So yes. she's in a relationship, it's going well, she's feeling that really intensely. Maybe it feels like they've got a more serious relationship than they maybe do. Yeah. And then when it ends, she's able to write this song that sounds like something that like a wife of 20 years should have been able to write a song like this. It does. <laughs> and it kind of lends some... Um kind of lends a little bit of uh, validation, I think, to young people, too. Yeah. Because it's really easy. Or I remember, I don't know if your parents did this or if you had boyfriends young enough for them to do it, but, like, when I had a teenage boyfriend and I was a teenager, when I was going through trouble with him, they would always dismiss it as, like, they'd be like, oh, well, it's not like you're going to marry him. Or they'd be like, like, they would just straight up say that shit to me. And I know. (laughs) Shout out to Rocco and Daria. Um, (laughs) But, like, I, I, and, and to a certain extent, I get it. Because mm-hmm. I look at young people dating now, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to be fine. Calm down. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, that doesn't feel good in the moment. And mm-hmm. when you're that age, and you care about somebody, it's real to you. Yeah. And it is, and you feel it that strong, so it shouldn't be invalidated. Yeah. And to your point that you just made, I think it's actually really cool that she has the maturity to write songs like that, because it's probably really comforting for other teenagers to be able to listen to that mm-hmm. and get the validation that maybe they're not getting from other places. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, when you're this age, you're feeling things and Mm -hmm. it feels real. Um, And it is real. 16 year olds are allowed to have feelings. Um, No matter what boomers think. Yep. Um, I love that in the part where she's going like, no, no, no. Those like kind of like lower no's Mm -hmm. right before the last chorus. You can feel her holding back. And it's just like somebody pulling back a slingshot. Like slowly the tension's rising and then Such a good metaphor. She explodes into this. You should have said no. And it's amazing. It's like the payoff of of climbing a really steep roller coaster hill and going down the hill really fast. Like it's so fun. It is really good. Um I love that she she has the guy's lame excuses in there of, um, it was a moment of weakness. A moment of weakness. That's kind of the energy. Yeah. And she, I love that she's listing out his excuses and then she ends it with, and you said yes. It's just like, no, you idiot. That doesn't make it okay. Exactly. You said yes. And then the music cuts out. You should have said no. It's just, it's so simple but effective way to react to BS. And it's BS that men, I'm about to be 28 next week, and the men that I deal with still try to pull this kind of BS. So I don't know if they really grow out of it after they're not 16 anymore. <sighs> um, but I I love that she, at 16, was like, you said yes, you should have said no. It's as simple as that. And uh, yes. very satisfying to me. Indeed. Um, musically, I... I know it's kind of campy, but I kind of love the echo on Get Back to Me. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Word that of what you did with her, Get Back to Me, and then it mm-hmm. echoes in the background. I kind of love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the way that in the second verse, she goes, even now just looking at you feels wrong. Like, the way she says looking is like, you can feel her, like, disgust. Like, disgust, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, God. Love it so much. Um I love in the last chorus the extra long before you let it all go. Mm, um, mm-hmm. You hate the guitar riff. <laughs> I love the guitar riff. I love that when you hear it, you know exactly what you're listening to. It, there's never a moment of like, um, 
wait, what song is this? It's that's a guitar riff that is you know what's coming as soon as you hear it. You can't argue with that. Um, every time I listen to this song, the two notes, the two beats behind, you should have said no, baby, and you might still have me. I, I bang them on my steering wheel every time I hear it when I'm driving. I, anything, whatever's nearby that I can hit, I, I hit the I two beats love there. It feels really good. It's very, it, 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 it's, it's very cathartic. Yeah. Like physically and emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't hear Nathan Chapman's vocals on this, and I'm glad. I don't know why his vocals are on so many other songs, um, but I'm glad that they didn't make it onto this one. And this sounded really good. Again, yeah. I mean, I was I'm very impressed. I thought her voice sounded powerful enough and strong enough to carry it on its own. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to say my personal history with this song. Oh, yes, go for it. Um, I'm going to... Word this as fairly and delicately as I can, because I don't want to feel like I'm digging up things that have been buried for a long time. Mm-hmm. So when this album slash song came out, um, it was, if not exactly the same time, it was very close to the same time that my parents were getting a divorce. Um, and I was like 13-ish, something like that. Um, so when I heard this song, it just made me think of that relationship and so my me singing this song it was I hadn't had a boyfriend at that point but even if I had it would it made me more think I was like in my mind I was singing it to my mom Mm -hmm. and I just want to go on the record here saying people make mistakes everybody makes mistakes my mom made a mistake when I was 13 and that was like I said I'm about to turn 28 it's a long time ago Everybody's moved past it, except for one person. Um, everybody should have moved past it by now. I don't hold any grudges against my mom for this. I don't have any bad feelings for her. I kind of understood why she did it. Um, but I, I do now, I should say. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was very upset about it. Um, yeah. Because she did cheat on my dad, and mm-hmm. she regrets the way that she handled it, but... People make mistakes. And um, so I was, when I was listening to this for this podcast, I was thinking, why do I not listen to this song more than I do? Like, Mm. I love it. It's a a really good song. And I, you know how I love Angry Taylor. Oh, yeah. Picture to Burn, I listen to all the time. Mm -hmm. But in like, since the, the initial listening of the song when I was 13, when there was that big gap where I wasn't listening to Taylor for a whole lot, mm-hmm. when I would listen to her, I would listen to songs on this album. I'd listen to our song and Picture to Burn. I would never play this song. Mm. And I think the reason is because I associated it so strongly at the time with my feelings about my parents' divorce. And I, I'm happy to say that I don't, when I listen to it now, I'm just like, I'm just singing the song. I don't, I'm not <laughs> right. still mad at my mom about it. Um, but I think it it maybe lessened the joy that I have with this sure. song. Yeah. Um, so I'm listening to it again now. I'm happy to hear it. I, I love hearing it. But I think that it, it kind of got a little bit clouded in my mind and my experience with it just because of the 
heavy stuff that I've associated it with. Yeah. Well, perhaps, I mean, maybe, maybe not, but also maybe, maybe enough time has passed that it can be in a small way reclaimed. Yeah. And if it ever feels cathartic to you, like if you, I don't know, God forbid you ever get cheated on. I I, I honestly, you've, we, we did such a good job dealing with the assholery of the last one. I feel like you are so seasoned at this point that you're never going to pick a guy who would do that. And if he did, you'd destroy him. Let's be real. Um, you'd destroy him <laughs> This first. is true. Uh, we could stick Lakin on him. Oh, my God. Um, but it... If it ever, if there's ever a day where you're just like, wow, I really need Angry Taylor, mm-hmm. and you've already listened to Picture to Burn 50 times, and you need something <laughs> new, maybe there's a little place for this one now, yeah. every once in a while, and that's a really powerful thing, and that's exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? Now that I think about it, I feel like I should send this song to uh, Brian's wife. Because <laughs> I have a strong suspicion that she didn't know anything about me. God, can you imagine, if that was the case, that would have been, Wow. I mean, you'd have to be a pathological liar to pull off something like that. But I, who I have, knows? I have reason to believe, but we're not going to get into that. Who knows? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> I would not either. Anyway. <laughs> um, so all that being said, I still give it a 10 out of 10. I Hell mean, yeah. It's a classic in her repertoire for mm-hmm. a reason. The music goes hard. The lyrics go hard. Yeah. The performance goes hard, as campy as it is. It, we can't deny that it goes oh, hard. Oh, it goes hard. <laughs> Some might say a little too hard, but it does go hard. Yeah. It does. Um, love it. Can't wait to hear the re-record. We say that about every single song, and it's true about every single song. So Straight up. All right. I think it's time to move on. <gasps> Great. So we are talking about Mary's song next. Yes. Wow, what a shift. <laughs> go from should have said no to this. Mm-hmm. Polar opposites. We will talk in our final episode about this album, about her choice in in placement, a track list. Oh, track listing, yes. Why, why mm-hmm. did we put these two next to each right. other? But anyway, right? Maybe it was maybe it was just to emphasize the paradox. <laughs> yeah. Um, so track ten on the debut album is called "Mary Song" uh, or "Oh My My My." In parentheses. We love a parenthetical title. Yeah. Parenthetical titles are fun. They are. Um, this song was written by Taylor and Liz Rose and a uh, writer named Brian Mayer. It was produced by Nathan Chapman and Chad Carlson. The hidden message on this song is sometimes love is forever. I think that's really sweet. Um, there is no music video for this song. Um, and am I correct in thinking there were also no really notable live performances of it? I couldn't find any. Yeah, it's um, it's sort of an under, yeah, I guess, underperformed and um, perhaps lesser known to people like me who, mm. or maybe people who are a little bit more familiar with Taylor than I am, but weren't huge fans of her at the beginning and didn't listen to the full album from cover, you know, start to finish, might not even know it. Um, but it's really a. a very unique song. Mm-hmm. I I enjoy it a lot. And um, we have a, a little quote from Taylor about the story behind it. And I swear to God, the first time I read this, I, I legit almost started crying. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> um, so when asked about the song, uh, Taylor said, quote, I wrote this song about a couple who lived next door to us. They'd been married forever and they came over one night for dinner and they were just so cute. (laughs) They were talking about how they fell in love and got married and how they met when they were just little kids. 
And she says, I thought it was so sweet because you can go to the grocery store and read the tabloids and see who's breaking up and who's cheating on each other or just listen to some of my songs. (laughs) (laughs) I love that she's very self-aware. Self-aware. But then the end of the quote is, but it was really comforting to know that all I had to do was go home and look next door to see a perfect example of forever. (laughs) And it's, I I mean, this, this, the inspiration for the song in and of itself, which she explains right there, is really sweet. And it's really, really touching. The one other comment I want to make about this quote is that I love how Taylor Swift, even in an interview, she can't stop herself from being like a little poet. Like at the end when she said, it was really comforting to know all I had to do was go home and look next door to see a perfect example of forever. That in itself could have been a song lyric. Yes. Because it creates a whole picture in your head. Yeah. And it's so just beautiful and eloquent. And I... Um, just kind of shook my head and laughed thinking, wow, even 16-year-old Taylor, when she's sitting in an interview, can't help but say things in a beautiful way. When you read it out loud, it hit me that I was like, that is a really beautiful thing to say. And such a Taylor thing to say, too. Like, the way she phrases. Mm -hmm. It's very on brand. Yeah. But, um, oh, God. Genius. A writing genius. (laughs) So what do you think of this song, Jenna? Okay, so... um, Prefacing by saying that this is the first time that I listened to this song, too. I have oh. not. I, I certainly don't remember listening to it when I was 13. Um, so love having an opportunity to, to listen to something that I hadn't heard before yeah. from Taylor. Um, by the time she got to the line, I'll be 87, you'll be 89. I'll still look at you like the stars that shine. I got a little teared up. Right? I was like, oh, God, that is so sweet. Like, you... You can say that to Bill. This is true. Because you got that, that kind of love. I think that's kind of why I was crying thinking about the next door neighbors because I started to think like, oh, we're going to be old and cute one day. Yeah. Like we can walk around and be like, we met doing theater together. <laughs> <laughs> and some 16 year old will see you and be like, oh, that's the kind of love I want. <laughs> I love it. So sweet. <laughs> um, the more I was thinking about this, this song... What a flex to be some random family in Nashville and have Taylor Swift. I mean, they didn't know that she was going to go on to be this amazing, huge global sensation. Mm -mm. Um, And they've got a song written about them that is like that she's talked about. And I'm sure if you live in Nashville and you like if you're in the neighborhood, if you're from the neighborhood, you probably know who the couple is. Yeah. And they get to just be like. Yeah, we have a Taylor Swift song written about us. No big deal. <laughs> it's really cool. So cool. Um, I wonder what they think about her. I wonder if she still keeps in touch with them. Oh, yeah, I wonder. Do you think she does? I would like to think so. I think she does. Even if it's just like a Christmas card yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. And they're probably like people who are like not starstruck. So they're probably right. like real cool. Like, oh, Taylor sent us a Christmas card. Taylor's card. Yeah. Oh, look, Taylor and Joe. Picture of Taylor and Joe. Put it on the fridge. So happy for her. (laughs) She finally found a guy to treat her right. Um, Do you think she sent them drafts of this as she was working on it? Probably not. Because I feel like she is so sort of self-assured in what she does. And Mm -hmm. I, I always appreciated that about her. Especially like you said earlier, how it's very impressive the way there's adults around her all the time telling her this or that. And she really goes with her instinct Mm -hmm. I feel like she had that dinner conversation with them went to her room wrote it and just was like 
put it on the album, and then maybe before the album was released, sent it over to them. Yeah. And said, hey, thanks for coming over for dinner. <laughs> She's such a documentarian where she records everything that happens, even like in the yeah. early stages, that I bet you, I think it's very possible that someone has a video of the actual couple hearing this song for the oh, first time. probably. And I would love to see that. Aww. If this video is, like, well-known on YouTube and we can just look it up, oh, yeah. somebody please let us yeah, know. Yeah, send it to us if um, we're missing something. Because I just, I feel like I would definitely cry watching oh, yeah. it. Um, <laughs> because they probably cried listening to it. Um, this is yet another example, like we talked about in the last episode, of her writing songs from other people's perspectives. And at the very beginning of her career, nobody should have been surprised about folklore as far as the songwriting aspect. Of course, it was normal to be surprised that she dropped it overnight. But anyway, um, I love the storytelling. Mm. I love how she has this way of using the same phrases but changing them slightly so you can see how the, the relationship is evolving. Yeah, I thought that was really cool, really masterful. I had kind of a like a moment of like what whenever she sang the lyric said you'd beat me up you were bigger than me like i know they were little kids i know that's what little kids do but <laughs> knowing that this is about a song a song about a lifelong relationship i was like ah taylor let's not bring <laughs> domestic violence into this already no yeah you're not alone in that that was the only it was i think if i'm remembering correctly the only lyric i thought like well that was a little clunky that could have been workshopped a little bit there were other things she could have said right right it's like oh right i mean it's <laughs> yeah like kids sure kids will say things like that but it just i remember thinking it was the first time i'd heard the song as well and i know it was for you too and that was early enough in the song mm-hmm. that I had a, just a briefest moment of, oh, wait, is this a different kind of song? Yeah, right. Like a He Shot Me Down, Bang Bang, Nancy Sinatra kind of song? Because, <laughs> yeah. And, th- and, then, and then quickly we got back on track. Yeah. So. It takes you out of the fairy tale for a second. Just a sec. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that could have very easily been replaced with just a totally different lyric. Right. Um, I wonder how many of these details are true to their story. Um, there's there's a fight down by a creek or something like that. And there's, I don't know. I just, I feel like you mentioned this in the last episode about how something that Taylor's really good at and is kind of um, key to her songwriting is her specificity and mm-hmm. saying it was a Wednesday in a cafe Yeah, and we got maple lattes. Like, yeah. I think if she had written this about her own experience, those details would have made its way in there because the next track on the album is our song and it's full of that. Right. Um, Agreed. I I just feel like this one didn't have the same level of specificity that a lot of her songs have. Yes, agreed. And I think it would have been even more powerful if it did have that. But all that being said, it's still very sweet. I think it's a great story and... We all need a little ray of hope every once in a while. Um, but it is so country that I I couldn't really get past that mm-hmm. to the point of... Like, I'm not going to turn this one on voluntarily, probably. With all that being said, 5 out of 10 in my opinion. Yeah. I think it's a sweet song. It's sweet storytelling. I think it could have been stronger storytelling if it had been her own experience. And um, just not my favorite kind of sound. So completely respect that 
Um, just to to get the spoiler out right at the beginning, I'll just I'll tell I'll tell you my rating first yeah, okay. because it's, I'm going to reiterate a lot of what you said anyway. Um, five point five out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first time you've rated higher than I me. I think it is the first time, and I will tell you the only reason for the point five. The only reason I thought eh, it deserves more than a fifty percent is because of how sappy I am and how cute the story is. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the gist of it really is that I felt like I was so touched by the anecdote mm-hmm. of how it was written. And then I listened to it and I listened to it maybe twice. And even after two listens, I could never really remember how the f- refrain went mm-hmm. because it wasn't particularly memorable. Um, so I think that a couple things I like, I love, I think it's a 12 string guitar that she's playing at the beginning. I thought that was really pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, again, think that the story is really cute. I agree with you that more specificity might've made it a stronger song. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, part of me wants to tell her if this cute couple's like, if they're still alive, I want to be like, go like interview them about their relationship yeah. and get all the details and and pull from that and then rewrite it or something yeah. as with with those spe- specifics because then it probably would have a lot of the power that a lot of her other songs have right so i agree with you on that um i think the refrain just kind of leaves something to be desired mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the i will say it was disappointing in the sense of the 12 string guitar started at the beginning. I thought, oh, this is going to be a really pretty song. The story's sweet. I bet it's going to be really touching. And then it was sweet, but I was let down as far as the sound of it mm-hmm. and the poetry of it. It kind of just paled in comparison to a lot of the other things that she does. But it's cute. Yeah. And I hope that couple just celebrated like their 60th anniversary yeah. or something like that because that sounds absolutely sweet okay going off of what you said about she should go back and interview them and rewrite the song (laughs) yeah i'll tell you why i think that she could make this a really amazing song that we would go crazy for yes the last great american dynasty is written about someone she never met true and but it has the level of specificity in it she's that stole the dog and died at key lime Mm -hmm. green filled the pool with champagne all of those wonderful details that make it like such an interesting and memorable song Mm -hmm. and she got those details from you know researching the person if she went back and talked to these two people she could easily get those details she could definitely turn that into a Mary song parentheses oh my 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 parentheses Taylor's version could be incredible <laughs> and I wanted to say to you I thought of this on the way over here and I was like I texted you about it because I was like oh, I'm gonna forget to talk about this and because I didn't put it in the notes but um I had this thought while I was driving over here about oh, a theory I have a theory about the re-record oh oh yes please I love theories do you think that Joe might sing with her on the re-record of this. Shut up. Maybe like he gets a verse, she gets a verse, and then they sing the chorus together at the end where the I hope so. Wouldn't that be so great? That would be beautiful. And then maybe the liner notes will be surprise, we've been married for three years. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. No, but that would be so cute. Actually, I would love to hear him. He 
Am I drawing a blank? He didn't sing. He didn't. He didn't do backing vocals on any of the tracks on Evermore Folklore, did he? He just I helped to write them. I don't think he did them. vocals. I think he. I think he came up the with piano. some of the the piano, the yes. melody, mm-hmm. and right. and helped her write the lyrics. But he does sing because we know that he was singing uh, um, "Exile," already pre-written. Yes. Part parts pre-written. Yes. And I think she said that he's a very good singer. That he's also a singer. Like that he's skilled. Yeah. So there and you even, go. Even if he isn't, it's not like a crazy range. Like no. it, this is a, a pretty yeah. manageable. Yeah. Like, song as far oh, as the notes go i want it wouldn't that be so great that would be so sweet i like i almost wrecked my car because i was like daydreaming about <laughs> it and i was like oh my god the car in front of me stopped um but i it just like it made me so happy to think about um because i thought and i should we have to say this because we've given nathan chapman so much shit so far we have Mostly this? because it's a bit now. I want everyone to know that. It's just a bit for us. We know nothing about him. No. I'm sure he's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, stand by our comments about I don't like his vocals. Uh, yeah, we're not, a big, vocals not on a big fan some of these tracks. Of backup vocals. But it's mostly said because it's a bit. Yes. Um, he, this is the only song that I've heard him do backup vocals for on this album so far that I thought it made sense. Yes. I was like, okay. This is one where it makes sense to have a male voice in this because it's a male and a female relationship. So I'm not mad to hear Nathan on this song. So Nathan, you get a pass on this one. <laughs> not that you needed one. But Joe's going to replace you on the re-record. We hope he, that's okay. That's kind of what led me to the thought of uh-huh. maybe Joe maybe is going to be. Maybe Joe could do it. That would be, uh, I would, I'd cry. Die. Yeah. So cute. Um, what are you listening to right now, Carly? Ooh, Do you have one? Let me think, actually. What am I listening to? I know that there was something. Oh, you know what? I've been listening to a bunch. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to Right Where You Left Me a bunch. Oh, that's such a good one. Such a good one. And I I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out what it reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the range that she sings it in. I think it's really beautiful. I like that it's so um, deep and in her mm-hmm. regular, like, sort of alto-sounding conversational voice. Yeah. And then it does go really high. And I, I, I'm continually impressed by her range. Um, and we talked about this a little bit at your party. Yeah. Someone else brought it up. I think it was Lakin. That we love the haunted sort of aesthetic of yes. that song. Love the image of somebody being frozen in time and dust collecting on their hair mm-hmm. and that they actually say like or she actually says the corner I haunt. Yes. It's very ghostly but it's also pretty and it's not a song that you if you were to hear it without any lyrics you wouldn't necessarily know if it was a happy song or a sad song mm-hmm. or something in between. Um, and I love when an artist can really uh, tactfully craft a, a sad song with a melody and in, in, and in a key that is not necessarily sad. Yeah. And I think that this is like the perfect example of that. I'm kind of obsessed with it. The other day, I swear I had it on repeat and I probably was looping it for like close to 45 minutes. Amazing. And I don't do that with many artists. I like, I don't have, like, no, usually I'm, okay, I'm sick of this song now. I'm moving on to the next one. I make my playlists. I yeah. curate them. Taylor is one of the few artists that I will pick a track and I'll be like, well, okay, that's my track for, you know, Thursday, July <laughs> 17th. It's all I'm going to listen to today. Top to bottom. 
She's a once in a generation kind of songwriter. She is. She is. How about you? So, uh, piggybacking off of the conversation we had at the beginning of this podcast, um, I've been listening to Look What You Made Me Do quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Because when I say that there is a Taylor Swift lyric or song for every single situation you're going in, sometimes it's wildly specific, relatable lyrics. For example, my uh, family member said that they don't like the old Jenna. The old Jenna needs to come back. That's the Jenna that they like. And I was just listening through Reputation, and it hit me. The old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. (laughs) Why? Oh, because she's dead. And I got to say that when I first heard that the album, subsequent times that I've listened to that album, I always thought, like, this is so stupid. She does this. (laughs) So cheesy. But I have to say, now that I've had somebody demand the old Jenna back, I understand why she wrote it. I understand why she put it in the song. I understand why she made it a moment in and of itself. That yes. it like it, it calls a lot of attention to itself. Because yeah, when you have somebody talking to you like that, it's very frustrating. And it's like she's dead. Leave her alone. Right. She can't come to the phone right now. It's like, you're never going to get her back. You're never going to get her back. Stop asking. She's literally not here. She's dead. Yeah. And I will say this too. Um, I found this Etsy shop uh, a while ago that makes uh, Taylor Swift apparel. Um, the Etsy shop name, and I'm going to give them a shout out because nice. I love this store and the shop owner has been really, really sweet to work with. Um, the shop name is Black Cat Crafts. And I love her already. Yeah. And she's got this cool logo with a, a crescent moon and a black cat. Um, she has an option where you can get a sweatshirt done with a custom lyric. Any Taylor Swift lyric you want, she can do a custom sweatshirt for you. And uh, my good friend, Lakin, who will most likely appear on this podcast at some point or another, because oh, she's yeah. a huge Swifty too. It's not going to be long now. Um, her birthday was just recently and I got her a sweatshirt with a custom lyric of tried to change the ending Peter losing Wendy because literally she has told me probably 65 times how much she loves that lyric and I was like oh she's gonna love this and she cried whenever I gave it to her (laughs) um and I I was thinking about like is there is there a specific lyric that like I feel like I would want to get on a sweatshirt and then heard look what you made me do heard that lyric and I was like oh I know exactly what I'm going to do so I messaged the shop owner and I was like can I swap out Taylor with Jenna is that okay or do you need it to be 100% accurate and she was like oh absolutely and she came up with like different options for me for the layout of it and I just bought it this morning and I can't wait to wear it it's says I didn't put I'm sorry on it because I didn't want to be apologizing for this new Jenna here. I like that. And I I know that Taylor put it in there, but that's Taylor's decision. My decision is I took out the I'm sorry. So it just says the old Jenna can't come to the phone right now. Why? Oh, because she's dead and I can't wait to wear it. And I'm thinking about posting a video of myself wearing it on Facebook so that my family member can see it and feel (laughs) bad about herself. Um, because, you know, you got to fight petty with petty sometimes. Sometimes you do. Got to fight um, power. And mm-hmm. that's a really long-winded way of saying that look what you made me do gets a lot of hate from at least the Swift Talk community, the TikTok oh, really? Swift community. A lot of people are like, look what you made me do. Stupid. Okay, well, don't listen to it then because I love it. And I think that if you've ever 
had a kind of a similar situation where somebody's bullying you. It's nice to be able to. It's an empowering song. Very empowering. Mm -hmm. Also, I like the whole scene in that music video where the cat burglars yes. are literally cat burglars. I just wanted to I just wanted to throw that out there. Honestly, that music <laughs> video is bonkers and it's so fun. It is tons of fun. Tons of fun. Tons of fun. And we are both Slytherins. Love the snakes. That's true. We love the snakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we yeah. had a missed opportunity not going to the Reputation World Tour. Oh, one we're, of the biggest regrets of my life. I know, right? I wasn't converted enough back then. Same. I liked a little bit of 1989, but I still didn't. I, 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 the Taylor fan within deep within me hadn't fully awakened yet. <laughs> now she's awake. Fair they're awake and they're ready to go. They're our dominant personality traits. <laughs> okay, well, the next time we record, we will be talking about one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs of all time. Yes! Our song! Our song! And the plan is, that's going to be all we talk about. Yes. Because there's a lot to talk about with our song. So much. <laughs> okay, so tune in for that fun discussion. And thank you for listening if you've made it this far. And if you want to email us with any thoughts or suggestions, our email is taylorloverspodcast at gmail.com. So we'll uh, see you later. See you next time. Bye.